I want to just mention again the reason why we are going to online services. And just so that you know, we have updated our system, but our internet feed is also being updated. And that's why we're having a little bit of problems with our online presence. But we are presently working on that diligently so that we can uh, provide a better experience. So if you would be uh, patient with us, we would appreciate that greatly. We've had some outbreaks in our daycare, and so we've had to shut that down for a week. And there have been some of you that have also uh, come up positive with COVID-19. And there is such a psychological uh, fear, and there's a media narrative that is out there that is causing a lot of fear. And if you look at the facts and the statistics, the numbers are increasing, but deaths are going down. And so there is some positive things to acknowledge, but you're not going to get that in the media. And so because that causes a lot of anxiety among some, and because we have had recent outbreaks, we thought it just wise to take um, the foot off the pedal and spend some time um, just doing an online uh, service. So that's why we're doing that. We need to pray and ask that God's anointing and his hand and his ability will touch some uh, serious uh, prayer requests. We need to pray for Sister Martha Shockley, who was in physical therapy, trying to recover from uh, some circumstances she's had in her life. We need to pray for Don Monks, who is presently in the hospital and was in a serious way. They're still trying to determine what is taking place with him. Sister Julie Lopez asked for prayer. All of our elders have asked for prayer. And so we want to agree together and we want to ask God to touch each and every one of these. You may have some prayer requests. And so tonight, maybe right where you are, just uh, take a moment. Actually, this would be a good exercise uh, while Brother Brock comes up here and helps me out real quick with my iPad that keeps going off. I want him to set the settings so it's always on. So while he's doing that, I want you to take a moment and go around the room if you are in a household where there's more than just one person and take some prayer requests. What is it that you want to pray about? You want us to pray about? I've mentioned some names here uh, that people have called and requested prayer, but you may have some prayer requests that you can pray for in your own home right now. So take just a moment and uh, talk among yourselves about what you would like to pray about, and then we will pray together. Amen. All right, let's pray together right now. Lord, we thank you. We agree together all over the city of Bakersfield and maybe even outside of this local area. And we agree that when you're in the midst of us, your presence and anointing is there. Your ability is there. Healing can be found there. And so we speak your name over every situation, every family, every person that is gathered together tonight. 
And we ask that healing and strength would go to them, encouragement would go to them. There's nothing like the peace of God. And we ask that your peace would be poured out and virtue would flow. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Everyone said amen. I hope you have your Bibles with you tonight. We're going to do a Bible study and we're going to talk about some things that are foundational, important elements of living for God and more particularly foundational about the church of God. We are a part of a church. We are a local church, but we're part also of a universal church. And we trace our roots back to the book of Acts in Acts chapter number two. The church was birthed and born and there was a power and a connection that was associated with that early church. And there is no reason why we should not have the ability to have the same experience. So I want to read a couple of scriptures. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 2, verse number 42 through 45. We'll read these verses to launch our study here tonight. Amen. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers... And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. This is in Acts chapter 2. This is after the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, and uh, this is describing that church family. So I want to pray tonight and ask God to help us as we open up the scriptures, that he will help us see the importance of being a part of a church family and the necessity of that, and that he would direct us tonight. Lord, we thank you and praise you for your word. We thank you that we are incorporated into the family of God, and that means a lot. And tonight we're going to spend a few moments of time discussing what exactly does that Mean. We ask that you would help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Family dynamics are different. If you were to take a survey, you would find that there's a lot of dynamic differences. Some families are small. Some families are large. Uh, we have blended families. Our culture today does not value the traditional family as much, and I think that is sad because the scripture is very, very clear that the family, the first evangelistic effort in the world in the beginning with Adam and Eve was to be fruitful and multiply to do the work of God, take dominion over what God had given. And that is the best uh, unit of God's creation. There's more of a chance of people being successful uh, being secure when they're a part of a family. Family dynamics are different. So you may have come from a small family. My family, my personal family was my mother and myself. And that was the way it was since the age of two years of age. However, I had an extended family. So I had a, a grandfather that was much like a father figure. My grandmother, I had two uncles and then there were uh, cousins, and so I was a part of a, a larger family, and then wherever we were, we were part of a church family. 
family dynamics are different. And some people, if we were to start talking about families, there would be dynamics of a small family that you like, and there would be some things maybe you didn't like. If you're a part of a large family, uh, there would be things that you would be able to bring to the table and have a discussion. But a family is absolutely important. It's a family that is supportive, supposed to be. Sometimes families don't measure up as well. And we live in a fallen world, fallen nature. But the ideal that God has placed in the world is a family that provides support, that provides strength, that provides encouragement, that provides affirmation, things that are essential in a family. When you gather together, uh, these are uh, objects of conversation, points of discussion, what is people doing? And then they're affirmed. And, and what are their successes? And what jobs are they in? And what's happening in their life? A family brings all that together and, and brings security and strength. Every family has unique traditions, treasured stories. Uh, in my family, there are some things that when everybody gets around, it's fun to talk about some of those treasured stories. Like, Dad, tell us a story about you kicking a skunk. And so that becomes a story. And other circumstances, my uncles and my cousins, when we get together as a family, we start reminiscing. And then the younger generation, my children, want to hear about things that have happened in the family. And then their experiences become something that they can also add into. So every family has unique traditions and treasured stories. God from the beginning desired to know people in relationship. And so from the very beginning, all through the Old Testament, to this point that we have read here in Scripture, he gave his life for the church family. That was significant. That was important. He died to carry a relationship to the entire world through the vehicle of a church family. And so if you're in the church, you need to be thankful. Church is not always perfect, but you're in the church and it's important. Why? Because a church family is important and you need to be planted in a church family. If Jesus in the entire scripture came to the point of going to Calvary, dying on a cross so that the hands and feet of his own body would be the people in a church, then it becomes our responsibility to be a part of the church, to take up the mission of God and say, I'm going to be involved in the kingdom of God and I'm planted in a church and this is where I am. God has called me to this place and this time and now I'm going to be involved in that. Our text uh, that we read describes an amazing, uh, several amazing things. First of all, they were continuing in the apostles' doctrine, the teaching. They were fellowshipping, so there was connection. They were breaking bread, so they were sharing meals. They were praying together. And many signs and wonders were done by the apostles. When there's unity in a church, a church family, there is unity, there is revival. You cannot stop it from happening. Sometimes the enemy comes in, tries to sow discord, disunity, upheaval, dysfunction. We've got to fight against that just like we should fight in our own local family 
in our own family that we want stability and security. We don't want fragmentation. And the same thing should happen in a church family. And here in this early church, they, there were, they were so unified that there were signs and wonders that happened. They, they were together. They had things in common. They weren't forced to sell their possessions and goods. They weren't forced to do that. That would be some form of communism or Marxism where you're forced to do something. They weren't forced to do it, but they had such a vision because they were part of a family that was so unified with what was taking place that they said, we're going to gather together in unity and we're going to see God do great things. Amen. What would it have been like to be a part of that early church, that kind of unity? And so that begs this question. It begs the question, can we see the same wonders and signs? I want to tell you right now, I believe that we can, and I think we have. God has done great things, and he continues to do great things. If we unify around the fact that God has brought us into the family of God, we're a part of that family. Acts chapter 2 and verse 46, they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Even with great persecution, they were under great persecution. The church expanded. The church grew because the mission of God superseded all of the difficulties that they would face. And this is the model which we should strive for. What were they doing? They were studying the word of God. They were proclaiming the word of God. They continued in doctrine and power of the early church family. And so there's no reason why we shouldn't take up the same inspiration and the same mantle and say, I am so glad I am a part of the family of God. And God has brought you uh, to this particular assembly. And he's planted you into this church family. The church was founded by Jesus Christ. That's our founder. The church was founded by Jesus Christ. Ever since he established it, the church has been a beacon of hope because it is the one institution that supersedes all the other institutions of the world. No governments, no societies. The church is a place where we come together and we work in the kingdom of God, and it is a beacon of hope. Our church, our, our local church, has a special story of how it came to be in this community. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 19. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 19. We will read that together. Not sure if they're putting that on the screen or not. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. So I, ha I hope you have your Bibles with you. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, 
in whom you are also builded together for inhabitation of God through the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19 reveals some key points. We are fellow citizens. Fellow citizens. Jesus is the cornerstone. Ephesus, this book that Paul is writing to, was a port city with many different religions. And so Paul is writing here and he is intimating that God's family should be a reflection of God's love in the city of Ephesus. We should pursue God together. And we may come from different backgrounds. We may have different stories of how we arrived here. But God is shaping us in his love. We're builded together for inhabitation of God through the Spirit. We're a church family. We're fellow citizens. Jesus is the cornerstone. And we are to exemplify to our local community, just like in Ephesus, that love for our city and for other people. Our church has a, a local story. 1943, the Lord led Reverend I.H. Terry and his wife to Bakersfield, California. They arrived on March the 5th, and after much opposition, they rented what would become the first church building on 611 E 18th Street, East 18th Street. They were happy, even though their living conditions were not the most convenient. They lived behind a temporary wall, which had been erected to provide an auditorium for services. There was no hot water or bath facilities, only a restroom outside. These are our humble beginnings. The first church service was on November 13th, 1943. That is why the cafe is Cafe 43. That was the first year of our church. There were a few folks present, the Ehrman Allspaugh family, Fred Cox family, Sister Nancy Byerly and her children, and the first pulpit consisted of two orange boxes. The pews consisted of a few chairs and a long board that extended from a chair to a wash tub to provide additional seating. The altar was Sister Terry's mother's wash bench. So they cobbled all of this together and they put together in the beginning in 1943 what was the church. Sister Terry typed the songs. There were no songbooks. She led the song services. There was no music. The financial picture was not very good. <laughs> it was necessary for them to sell their car to provide rent money and material to construct some pews and purchase the pedestal which served as a pulpit. And so they were sacrificial because they were determined they were going to plant a church in Bakersfield, California. And I'm thankful that they did. We have much to be grateful for their sacrifice and their inspiration. Church went through several moves until finding a permanent residence at 36th and O, which is not far from here. And at this location, that was really the foundation. A lot of ministries were formed. The purpose of the church grew. And through many years of hard work and revival, the church expanded. And the motto was, the best place to go is 36th and O. And that was later changed when the church moved to its new location. So we're here at 1418 West Columbus, 
and we say that we follow, proclaim, and celebrate truth. November 1983, Brother Terry had his 40th year as pastor of GBFPC, and so he retired on that 40th anniversary. Brother Leon Frost became the pastor, and he pastored for many years and is still heavily involved in our church family, and we're very, very thankful and grateful for that. He was raised in the Bakersfield Church. Brother Terry turned the church over to him. He was voted in as the pastor, and there were many, many projects, revival, experience, growth that happened under his leadership, and he is still very involved in leadership with us today. In November 2010, uh, I took the duty of pastor, and I have certainly appreciated very, very much being a part of this church. I came in 1992. I've been in Bakersfield longer than I've been anywhere else, um, where, anywhere else that I've lived. I was born in Santa Barbara. My grandfather pastored a church, small church in Santa Barbara, California, and uh, he moved from Santa Barbara, California to Roseburg, Oregon. He took a church in Roseburg, Oregon, and that's where most of my growing up was done in Roseburg, Oregon. So I'm uh, part of California, part of Oregon. We moved from Oregon. My uncle pastored in Douglas, Wyoming. I was in Douglas, Wyoming for a year living with them. He moved from Douglas, Wyoming to Minot, North Dakota. And so we went to Minot, North Dakota and lived there a number of years. Met my wife, moved her to North Dakota, which was a little bit of a trip. Uh, we were there for two years, and then at the right time, in a convenient time, we came home in 1992 here in Bakersfield, California, and we've been here ever since. And it is a, a privilege and an honor to be a part of this church. We have a rich heritage, and we need to hold it without compromise. We've been very, very blessed by great men of God. Brother Frost, when he built this building with many others that chipped in, he was standing out at the cornerstone here on the corner that says a man and woman passed by here, blessed of God. Brother Terry was standing with him, and he said, well, uh, Brother Terry, we completed the dream because this was a dream. This piece of property was purchased for, I think, $86,000. It was a mosquito abatement property, and then things started happening to where now we're still working on this piece of property. And he said that to Brother Terry, and Brother Terry looked at him and he said, no. He said, the dream continues. The dream goes on. Why? Well, the reason why the dream goes on is because the church is connected to the mission of God. There is a mission of the church. When Jesus saves somebody, he doesn't leave them isolated to fend for themselves. He plants them in a church. He places people in the church. I brought this example right here. This is a bonsai tree. It's not real. Uh, it's just uh, a model. But you can have a real bonsai tree. This was given to me by Sister Tanya Rosales. I think she either came across it in a, a garage sale or something, or she may even had it in her possession. And I mentioned... Uh, uh, bonsai trees in a lesson, so she brought that, and now I keep it in my office. You can take a very, very large tree, just about any tree you can think of, and you can make it a bonsai, you can miniaturize it. But in order to do that, in order to do that, 
you've got to work against the tree in a lot of ways. You don't water it as much. You barely water it. Um, you try to restrict its growth. At some point, you have to pull it out and cut the roots. And uh, you do all these things to keep it small. Uh, one of the things that's important is you have to find the right pot. And in bonsai tree making, you find a small pot because you're purposely trying to reduce the amount of the roots. God never intended for us to be this. He never intended us to be bonsai trees. He plants us in the soil of a church. And I'm thankful that in this church, it's not a reduced pot, but he plants us in the soil of the church and he gives us room to grow, branch out, be involved in the mission of God. And he places people in that church. The church is on a mission to show the world how to connect more closely with Jesus and find hope. First Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9. I'll give you a minute to turn there because I want to read this together. Amen. First Peter chapter 2, verse number 9. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Look at what we are chosen to do. God chooses us, plants us in the soil of the church, chooses us to do what? We're a royal priesthood. We are a priesthood, which means we are to connect people to God. The Old Testament system of the priesthood, the individuals would bring a sacrifice the priest would take care of the sacrifice, which, which would be an arrangement between God and the people. Jesus Christ himself becomes the ultimate lamb of God. So we don't have to bring a lamb anymore. Our lamb is Jesus Christ. So we are a royal priesthood because it's our duty to connect people to God's presence. You say, well, I've just come into church. The fact that you're worshiping God and creating an atmosphere where God can move is part of the royal priesthood. We're a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. Before you're a part of any nation, I'm thankful to be in the United States of America. I've traveled, been a lot of places. We live in the best country in the world. Amen. We should be thankful for that. We don't have it all together. We've got our flaws. You're not going to find a perfect nation anywhere in the world. Amen. But at least we are striving, and God has blessed us. And so here we are. But before we are a, a, a nation, before we're an American, we are part of a holy nation. God has called us into the church, and we are chosen to be a part of a holy nation. We are a peculiar people. That doesn't mean we're weird. doesn't mean we're strange. It just means that we should give off an aura that there is something different about us that asks people and draws people and connects people to his presence and his goodness. These are the things that we are chosen to do. We should show forth the praises of him who hath called us out of darkness. This is what we are chosen to do. And look at who we are now. Who are we? In time past, we were not a people, but now we are the people of God. And our mission 
is to follow after God. Our local mission here at Greater Bakersfield's First Pentecostal Church is to follow, proclaim, and celebrate truth. Follow, proclaim, celebrate truth. That means something. That means that ultimately a lot of times people gather together in celebration. Uh, they'll come for special events or what have you. But at some point beyond the celebration and feeling the anointing of God, we are to follow. We take up the mantle of discipleship and we follow after him. And when we celebrate and then when we follow, at some point we begin to proclaim, actively involved in ministry, truth. Truth. We have to be about our Father's business. John chapter 14 in verse number 5, Jesus' parents had gone to Jerusalem, and they left him behind. And when they found him, they found him in the temple, and he said to them, I must be about my father's business. So our father's business is to follow, proclaim, and celebrate truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also, and from henceforth you know him and have seen him. Jesus said, I am the way and I am the truth. And so God calls us. He chooses us. He says that we are now the people of God, and therefore we have a mission. It's not our mission, but it's his mission, and that is to proclaim his truth. So a part of that mission is getting acquainted with the church being planted in the church, getting to know the leaders and the ministries of the church. God provides leaders who serve and direct the church as well as the ministries of the church to carry out its mission. And this is, this is very, very important. Uh, we have a mission. The church has a mission. It's doing something. It's active. It's never passive. God never intended for us to reap the blessings and benefits and not get our hands behind the plow and work in the kingdom of God, in the mission of God. So the church is always in action. And he gives leaders to make sure that that is taught, that that is preached, that that's exemplified, that that's a motivation that we should be doing and we should be involved. And this is why in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 11 through 13, the Scripture tells us that God gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of of the fullness of Christ. So why does God give, according to this passage of scripture here, church leaders? It's for the perfecting of the saints. That doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect, but it means that you're going to be complete because you have everything that you need. And so it's for the completion of the saints. We're striving towards something. The reason why there are church leaders is for the work of the ministry. We're planted in a pot. We're part of a church. We have a mission. Okay, what are we doing? That takes leadership. 
for the edifying. When people come together and they're involved in that mission and that work, it's edifying. It is uplifting. It's for the edifying of the body of Christ. And the standard that is set, the standard of measurement that we set as our target is that we would become unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So Jesus is what we're trying to strive to be like. We're trying to be Christ-like. And the church puts its mission into action. The church is never passive because we have a great mission to fulfill. It's never passive. It's active. Each week, every week, we're growing as we connect together to do what? To pray, to worship God, to share about our journey, to serve others. Amen. These are all things that help us grow together and connect together in the family of God. Verse number 42 of Acts chapter 2, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. There was a connection there. They were doing things. I have found one of the dangers is when you're in the house of God and you're not doing anything. When you put your hands to the plow, it gives you purpose. And when you take ownership of things and say, I'm going to do the work of God. I'm not going to rely on somebody else to make the phone call. I'm going to make the phone call. I'm not going to rely on somebody else to praise God. We're supposed to praise God as a part of being in the church. So I'm going to take ownership of that. I'm not going to wait on somebody to be friendly to me. I'm going to be friendly to them. I'm not going to wait on somebody else to be hospitable to me. I'm going to go out of my way to be hospitable to them. This is what the church does. It's never passive. If you're passive, then you end up isolating yourself. If you end up isolating yourself, then you don't get the nutrients of the body that you need. Now, all of a sudden, things become a personal turmoil. you got to get out of that. That's, that is the devil's business to isolate us from the body. This is not of God. God's intention would be that we would gather together in the mission of God. And when you're doing things, when you're busy in the kingdom of God, then things work so much better because you're involved. Find a, find a place to be involved, even if it's small. Even if it's small. You may think it's insignificant, but it may not be insignificant at all. A family has responsibilities and commitments that keep you busy. And so it is in the church. A, ch a family has responsibilities. There are things that we have to work together to make sure that there is harmony and that things get done. And in a family, there's a lot that goes on. Some of our younger couples with a lot of kids know exactly what I'm talking about. And if there's no order and structure in a family with three or four kids, you've got, you got chaos. And so there's responsibilities. There are parenting things that have to be taught. And there's structure and there's commitments that have to be applied so that there's unity and there is harmony. The church is supposed to be like this. And so the action of the church involves a lot of different things. A typical week here at GBFPC looks something like this. Sunday morning rise. Sunday morning is a great opportunity. We come to the house of God and there is 
T-Rocket Community Outreach. There's Sunday school, there's Sunday school teachers, and there's a program that connects uh, Sunday school children and young people. And we break up in different demographics and Sunday morning is a great time together. At night, Sunday night, we come together for Sunday Night Live. It's a celebration. Choir is singing. God's doing great things. We're excited about what God is doing. And then as a part of that particular service, every second Sunday of the month, we have a meal together that we call Be There. People come together in fellowship, and it gives us opportunity to fellowship with one another and connect with one another. Tuesday night is Tuesday on the Rock. It's Bible study. So we come together to study the Word of God, worship a little, but not as much as, say, on a Sunday night, because our focus is really on the Word of God. And so we glean from the Word of God. Wednesday night, we come together and we focus on worship, because worship is a significant part in that early church. Uh, Thursday nights, we have prayer focus in some way whether it's all the church coming together, whether it's men or women, we come together with a focus on prayer. Friday and Saturday, there's usually amplified youth. Our young people are involved in something or they're going somewhere or they're doing something or there's a baby shower or there's a wedding or there's all kinds of things that happen on the weekend. The church is never passive. We're active because it is the mission of God. We have kick ministry, which is kids in Christ's kingdom ministry. That's for all of our children. What are we doing? We're trying to develop them and grow them in the kingdom of God. We have T-Rockets ministry. What is that? That's reaching out into our community, and that's bringing them here and feeding them, then walking them over here and getting them involved in Sunday school, connecting with families in the community. The church is never passive. It is active. We have amplified youth. We have a robust youth ministry with young people. And there's all kinds of activities from youth service to special events, parents. If there is an event, you need to make it a priority to make sure that your children are plugged in and are there. We have a Thrive Ministry, which is for young marrieds. We have a Smart Group, which is from 36 to 55. We have a Joy Group, which is just older youth. We have Men's Focus. We have Women's Focus. We have a school, Bethel Apostolic Academy. The church is never passive. The mission of the church is active. We have a daycare, Bethel Kitty Corral. has been in our community for many, many years. Services our community and is a huge benefit and blessing to us for our school. If it was not for the daycare, we wouldn't have a school. And so there's a balance there. And it also gives us opportunity to meet people in our community. We have Bible quizzing, which is a focus on the Word of God. We have recreational activities. We come down and we do intramural sports and we, we have fun. We're a part of missions. We're reaching in our world. We're a part of missions and leadership. We're trying to provide 
provide leadership skills to everybody that is in the church. If there is something going on that has to do with leadership, you need to be there. You need to sign up. I want to be there. Why? Because God has called me to be a part of the church. And the church is never passive. The church is active. It's on a mission. And so I want to be involved. I want to be involved in the choir because it's so powerful. Yes, it's some work. It takes some effort, but the church is not passive. It is active. And so it's being involved in the mission of God. We have discipleship classes. We have Bible studies. We have growth and development. We have marriages. We have dedications. We have support and acknowledgement of people when they achieve things. We have funerals and support. We have revival services. We have conferences. There's a lot that goes goes on in the church because the church is an active organization with a, a message of hope to a world that you can connect and be a part of what Jesus Christ is trying to proclaim and reach to every individual. There is so much to do in the kingdom of God, and so we must be about our Father's business. I mentioned Jesus being left behind. He was only 12 years of age, 12 years of age. You can be used of God at any age. They went to Jerusalem, and Jesus was left behind. Joseph and Mary didn't realize that they left him. They thought that he was in their company, and they, they got a day's journey away before they realized he was not with them. So they turned back, went back to Jerusalem, and when they got to Jerusalem, they found him sitting in the temple in the midst of the doctors, asking them questions. And all that heard him was astonished at his understanding and his answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said, Son, why hast thus dealt with us? Behold, your father and I have sought thee sorrowing. Jesus said this. He said, How is it that you sought me? Wished you not that I must be about my father's business? I need to be about my father's business. Our society seems to be more withdrawn and isolated and divided than ever before. It seems like as the world is getting smaller via social media and technology, that we become more and more isolated. This is another reason why we need to be planted in a church, to be evolved in a church, connected to a church. The church should serve you. The church should, should serve you. However, you should serve others. That is the mission of the church. Amen. Acts chapter 2 and verse 46 and 47. In conclusion here tonight in this Bible study, church family is very, very important. And God has called you to such a time and such a place as this church. And in Acts chapter 2 and verse 46 it says this, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Amen church family is very, very significant, and God has placed you in the church, and it's important. There's so many things that you can be involved in. There's so many things that you can do, 
Unfortunately, right now we find ourselves in a situation where a lot of the things I've described we're not able to do. But that's not going to stop the church. And so right now, we need to reflect on and think about what am I actively doing in the church because the church is never passive. The church is active. It's always active. Amen. And so let's thrust ourselves into the work of God and ask for his ability and his anointing. Let's pray together right now. Lord, we thank you and praise you. We thank you that you have planted us in the church. What would I be without the church? As a matter of fact, there's not much of my life that hasn't been connected in some way, shape, or form to the family of God. And I pray that you would strengthen it. Amen. I pray that it would be healthy because a baby cannot be born to an unhealthy mother. It takes a healthy mother to birth babies. And so the church has to be healthy. I pray that you would help us be unified and strengthened like the early church where they went out, did the mission of God, were unified, and the power of God was felt. We ask that you would help us even at this time frame that we're in right now with so much turmoil and not being able to come together like we normally do. I pray that it would be opportunities for us to reflect upon what the church really means to us and how we can be involved in the church. Maybe even thinking creatively about what I can do to serve others. The church has blessed me, but how, how can I be a blessing to others? We ask these things in your great name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. so good to me. 